Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. We're joining you after the Reds' 5-1 win over Toulouse in the Europa League at Anfield. Goals from Jota, Endo, Nunez, Gravenberg and the obligatory Anfield strike from Mo Salah helped the Reds continue their 100% record in the competition. I'm Chris Smith and I'm joined tonight by TLW editor Dave Usher and our continental correspondent John Brennan. We'll go through the major talking points here before looking ahead to the Nottingham Forest game at Anfield on Sunday. Dave, this was a weird game. It had like a bit of a pre-season vibe about it from both teams. I thought we weren't great, but we scored five. I thought they were lazy and crap, but they caused us enough problems for a team that they looked they were just there for a kick about, really. And there were some truly ridiculous moments throughout at, at both ends of the field. What's your take on that one? Uh, should we just address the elephant in the room first? Then? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know what you're getting at, so let's just get it out of the way. Um, two bizarre moments from, from Darwin. Like, obviously there's the the miss where he's at the post, but there's also that weird one when like he tracked back the brilliant, won the ball, and then he just kind of stopped. And it was like the commentator said something like, you know, he's he's left it and he's left it for someone. I'm like, who's he left it to? Because there's like there's nobody around him. It's not like there was a teammate ready to take it off him, or like he's let it run through to the goalie. He just stopped and and, and left it. And then reacted in time, thankfully, like when their player came in. But yeah, the uh, the miss, um, I'm devo to be honest, because what a goal it would have been. You yeah. know, just the absolute, like, just the quality, the like the swagger, the assurance, everything was just spot on. And then lapse of concentration. He's obviously like thinking it was in before he'd actually put it in. And yeah, he was. Uh, I just felt sorry for him. Like his reaction, he was devastated. Yeah. And even when he come off and he's like he's laughing and that it was an embarrassed laugh. Right. It was like you know it's like when you know when you've just fucking fell off a chair in front of a room full of people <laughs> and you're laughing but you're like fuck's yeah. sake that's horrendous that's the worst thing that's ever happened to me but you're laughing because everyone else is laughing and I felt yeah. like that's when he come off that was the laugh that he gave was like just that really embarrassed and you know but um, yeah he, he shouldn't be because the rest of his performance spot on got himself a goal he's got an assist for that um, <laughs> so it's a good night's yeah. work it's oh, man. a good night's that, work what, from him he's played a one two other assist <laughs> he's played a one two after post He's, he's obviously seen Gravenberg <laughs> coming in behind him, but he's not Definitely. at the angle to pull it back to him, so he's just used the post. <laughs> What's that it's other like ridiculous a... assist you gave him the other week for? There was another one, wasn't there, where, uh, he, where he missed an absolute the... sitter? Didn't was I give him a goal? He... It wasn't an assist, yeah, no, it wasn't a goal. Was that, the, was, that, was that the OG against uh, Bournemouth? I, yeah, I gave yeah, him a goal when yeah, like uh, yeah. he put, he put when, like that. He hit, it was yeah, the backspin on the ball, and the defender yeah. just got there first. But the backspin would have spun it back into the net anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. He, so I, I gave him a goal that he wasn't credited for. Yeah, he, he hit the post, didn't he? And there was an OG then. Yeah, but tonight, uh, like his build-up was Ric Flair, and his uh, finish was Al Snow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, did, I felt bad for him as well. I know Jules is like the, the big guy for the analogies for the video games and stuff, but it's almost like he's... He reminds me a bit of like a glitchy video game at times. Or like if you're playing FIFA and you've done everything amazingly and you've gone around the goalkeeper and then all of a sudden like the, the pad disconnects from the console or something and you're smashing the buttons waiting to put the ball in and it doesn't work. You're like, oh, fucking hell! What's, yeah. what's going on there? Yeah. I know. 
Uh, yeah, I, it's going to take a little bit of getting over for me. I was, I was just gutted, and it, it's not even because of the miss. It was more to do with like everything else was so good. It just deserved the, the goal. It deserved the finish, and he fucked mm-hmm. it up. It's just um, he's just rose and tiled it up, didn't he? It was just yeah. I that, mean, was a, that was the full race. Never go the full race. Yeah. <laughs> but I, me and John were just talking like before we came on. I actually think the miss that their lad had when, when he's at Trent oh, on the was, line. That, that was, was worse. Way worse. That was worse. Mm-hmm. He, he's got the whole goal. Like, all he's going to do is just say, okay, where's Trent going? And that, he's central. Like At least Darwin yeah. was at a bit of an angle. He's in the middle and he's hit it straight at Trent. Like, what the hell are you doing? That was, that do you know was what's happened mad. there, though? What's I I do this in darts all the time. Like I'll have I'll have two darts in my hand and I'll have like sixty left, for example, and I'll be thinking, don't hit the one, don't hit the one, don't hit the one. Yeah. And every yeah. time it goes in the one because it's in my head. So he's just thought like, whatever you do, don't hit Trent on the line, and he's just hit it straight at him. I because I sympathise with it because I'm absolutely shit at darts, despite the fact that I love playing it and spend two hours a day playing it. Um, a bit like Darwin and his finishing, I guess. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what was the... Uh, that's it that, reminds that's me. Like, that's a bit like David Golf. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you know what, though? It, it, funny you should say that, because like, I did think, you know, that is like me, where like I've just hit a fucking boss approach shot and then I just miss a two-foot putt. It happens to me all the time, and that was Darwin today. But like I said in the last part about like you know the, the Newcastle fan, he was like, you're going to finish like Darwin? I'm like, I usually do, to be fair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These little like, tappings that I'm missing. Uh, but um, I was, you just made me think there when you, when, uh, about when Trent got it on the line. What was the one? I can't remember who it was now. Someone fucking... I had an open goal. I was, I think it was Jota, and he leathered it just straight into Conor Cody's balls. Do you remember? <laughs> Conor Cody got back on the line, and I said, "You've got the whole goal to aim at," and instead you just blasted it in Conor Cody's balls. And thinking, you know what? I'd That's give up a I goal to too. do that. It's exactly what I would have done, Jota. I'd have done exactly the same thing. That's too good an opportunity to pass up. You'd have forgotten there was a goal even to hit. You'd like, that comes bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's worth not scoring, but um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was, where were we? What, what was the original question? Because <laughs> just we've got no, a bit off track. Just the, we've covered two of them as well. The, the the elephant in the room. Let's let it be said that although we will we, make fun of it, I, you do feel it for him, and he had a really good game, and it's more good progress for him. This momentum that you were talking about the other day about him being unable to get going because of the injury break, sorry, the international breaks yeah. and the sort of the cramp and that kind of stuff. This is good. He's got his goal. and yeah. Yes. Okay. An assist. I'll let you have that. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's a good night overall where he can get on the score sheet despite the miss and hopefully he can take that into the weekend. Um, Did you see there was also press conference yesterday just on Darwin? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, he was listening to the pod. The only thing he didn't say, he just didn't use the water boys analogy. But like everything else was like, it was exactly what I said on the last pod. He's like, you know, he's in a really good place at the moment. And I'm like, yeah, I said all this. He is. People don't realize he's in an absolutely brilliant place at the moment. His performance is spot on. And um, he's just got to keep building on it. But yeah, tonight's good because he's played and he'll play at the weekend as well, presumably. And that's what he's got to get. Just that rhythm, just playing. Uh, he's not going to play twice a week, but he might play like one and a half times a week, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's all good. And then Gakpo's on the way back as well now, got some minutes. Mo gets on, gets a goal. Jota looks sharp tonight. Um, yeah. Brilliant goal from him. So, yeah, it's a, it's a good night. I mean, 
we said about previous matches in this competition, it's like, this is what you expect. You expect like 5-6-1. That's what you should be doing against these teams, but it doesn't usually pan out that way. Um, but you might get like one or two games in the group that do, and obviously tonight that's one of them. But I know you, you said about like how lazy and shit they were. I do think they were a bit shit without the ball. I thought they played some decent stuff. They had to go. At least they were like trying to attack us, and you know it made for a decent game. And because they were attacking us, it gave us a bit more room to play in ourselves, chances to break on them. So this was like comfortably the the, the most interesting game to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so they just yeah, gave I us all manner of space and didn't seem to be asked about defending one little bit. Yeah, I thought anyway. I but... think they wanted to enjoy the occasion and and, yeah, yeah. and have a go, and they got themselves a goal. They were probably just like looking, you know, just try to make some memories. And you do that by like scoring a goal and attacking rather than hanging on for like a one or two nil defeat where you don't really do anything. So, you know, fair play to them. John, um, let's start with Jota's goal because it did come quite early in the game, eight or nine minutes. Um, They sort of backed off him, uh, but and it was and it was a good strong run a good finish from him but i wanted to come to you as our sort of nutmeg correspondent really having the only person on the on the pod who's uh, nutmegged a professional footballer who then went on to nutmeg a ballon d'or winner so how did you how did you rate jota's nutmeg there is it up there with the with the school standards or still some way to go well see thing is you know there's a thing about 7 degrees of separation um mm-hmm. and the Jota song uh, goes, he's better than Figo, don't you know? <laughs> <laughs> so if Figo not make O'Shea and I not make Figo. No, <laughs> like, no, hold O'Shea on. not make Figo. <laughs> you not make O'Shea. <laughs> Hang on, have I got this mixed up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I, like, I've been prepared this since... Uh, since you were in school, yeah. <laughs> no, like, since, like I, I have it literally written down in front of me, and I fucked it up. <laughs> Thing is, uh, Jota is better than Figo. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. As the song goes, and O'Shea not made Figo. Right. And I not made O'Shea. <laughs> right. So that makes me better than Jota. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. That was my point. We got there. Uh, <laughs> we got there at the end. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> uh Absolutely fantastic goal. Uh, and in fairness, uh, it started with uh, Gomez uh, intercepting on the halfway line. Yeah. Uh, Jota's, you know, picked it up. I think in you know uh, the the replay of the game uh, of the goal. He's uh, there's kind of four or five players around, but he's just so clinical. He's um, he, he just seems to you know uh, go on streaks, uh, and he's in one of those phases now where he's he's scoring. Uh, Mo is obviously scoring. He scored again tonight. He scored two at the weekend. Uh, Gravenberg is uh, getting goals. Um, Diaz is contributing whether he's scoring. Uh, or setting up goals and we just ha- seem to have goals from everywhere at the moment but uh, Jota you know whether it's in Europe in the League Cup uh, in the FA Cup last year uh, in the league he- he's just uh, good for 
you know, 15 to 20 goals a season and uh, he, he's just mm-hmm. vital. I'm not sure he's, you know, going to start uh, at the weekend. He's probably not going to start every game. He's a bit like Harvey. He's one of those lads who, who can come on and make a difference like he did against Newcastle in the league. Uh, obviously, Nunes has got those uh, two goals against them, but uh, Harvey and uh, and Jot have made a huge difference. Um, so yeah, I, I just think uh, his finishing is outstanding. Uh, he's going to be vital for us this season because um, I think Dave mentioned this earlier as well in you know one of the pods uh, about uh, Jota. I think Pep did uh, uh, one of the. Uh, pre-game uh, press conferences and he said uh, about um, you know Jota saying the season where we went uh, in all competitions you know League Cup FA Cup European Cup and, and League obviously you know it was so important to keep everybody involved and I think I, I think that's kind of his attitude at the moment and uh, you know he's he scored again tonight he'll be involved at the weekend and uh, yeah, his finishing is is just incredible, and that that goal tonight was was really good, just clinical, um, you know, instinctive kind of finisher. He reminds me of Fowler. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just sticks it in corner every time, and uh, you know, he's good with right foot, left foot, head, links up to play well, and uh, yeah, just really love him. Mm-hmm. He even moves yeah. like Fowler. He's yeah. just so like him when when you watch. He's yeah. not. I I think I said like a while back. He's he's Fowler with like minus the genius, but with extra snide. You know, mm. He's like Fowler's like a one-off. There's not going to be anybody like Fowler as as a finisher, and that he was just a genius. But Jota reminds me of him like so much, even to the point when like sometimes. You know, his touch is like scruffy and, and like the ball's like bobbling around. Robbie was like that as well outside the box and then give him a chance and, and it was in. Yeah. But I, I'm just wondering whether Darwin should get an assist for that first one because the run that he made to take like two defenders <laughs> away, that's how come it opens up. It's just a little run run across. So, you know, those things don't show up on the uh, on the stat sheet, but without him, the goal yeah. doesn't happen. Fair enough. Moving on, five goals in eleven, <laughs> five goals in eleven games for Jota so far this season. John, as you said, um, the finishing aspect it, it is a real highlight. He's probably the best finisher at the club, wouldn't you say? Uh, definitely. Uh, I mean, if you take, uh, you know, the the five uh, forwards we have, you know, Mo. Uh, Gakpo, uh, uh, Darwin, uh, Diaz, and uh, Jota. He's definitely the best. I, I mean, if if you put it this way, if you if it's two two or one one in extra uh, injury time, and you need somebody to pop up and a score winner, um, I'd be back in Darwin. Uh, I'd be back in uh, <laughs> Jota. Um, yeah, so would I. Yeah, because. Um, I mean, Diaz has. I th- I think he's been better this season. I know you know he obviously the first game against Chelsea he scored and he he's been really involved. Um, Mo still has that thing where I th- I think uh, Jules has mentioned this before in the pods and uh, uh, Brownie as well. You know where he cuts in Dave as well, um, where he cuts in on his left hand side and you know yeah. everybody knows he's going for the top corner. Uh, Darren is hot and cold, but you know he he in fairness to him he's been really involved this season. 
Um, Gagpo, you know, he's obviously scored it one or two, but uh, in terms of finishing, Jota, whether, you know, head, um, uh, left foot, right mm-hmm. foot, he's just really good. And, uh, you know, we'll probably have this uh, discussion later about uh, Harvey as well and, you know, coming on as kind of an impact um, sub, as they say. But um, I think maybe Jota's best role for us is coming on. Uh, maybe, you know, Klopp does his uh, changes around 55 to 60 minutes uh, and he's always good. Like, he'll always get a chance uh, or yeah. two and he's good for, you know, one and two and uh, he, he's just so prolific. Uh, Plus he's really good around, like, tired defenders as yeah, well. Like, he, yeah. late on in games when they're making mistakes, yeah, he's constantly yeah. harassing them. And yeah. Sure. It's good, yeah. So he's, he's I, the most I like clinical. the way here as well. I'd say he's yeah, the most he's, clinical. Yeah, he's so clinical. If he gets a chance, you know, there's ninety percent chance he he he's going to. If he doesn't score, he's going to definitely test the keeper. Do you know and, the uh, the one caveat to that? We really like him. Like I'm saying, he's the most clinical. The one caveat to that might be Gakpo. But he doesn't get anywhere near as many chances as the other forwards yeah. because he's doing other things. Yeah. But I do think he's clinical. Well, like when he gets opportunities, but he just yeah. doesn't seem to get as many as the others. So in time, we may end up talking about Gakpo yeah. as being the best finisher. But yeah. it's too small a sample size at the moment. Like, but that's I, the thing I do with Gakpo, isn't it? Like, yeah, I look at I look back at that game when we beat United seven 0 last yeah. year, and that the first yeah. goal he scored in that, and I'm thinking. I want to see more of that from yeah. him, but we haven't really at no. all, have we? He's no. kind of not really been operating in those areas. And mm-hmm. the second goal as that, well. The second goal was yeah. fucking yeah. brilliant. Great finish. Yeah. I was going to say that Chris, it's probably because he's deeper. Uh, you know, he's operating deeper than uh, Jota, and that even the uh, the goal he got uh, against Spurs. You know, he's he, he he's literally got in their six yard box, so. If he gets further up the field, I think he could be really, cli- uh, you know, clinical as well, like uh, like Jota. But it, 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 if you ask me now, who, who's the most clinical finisher at, at the club? It's definitely Jota. He, yeah. He's just, uh, you know, he he's prolific in terms of uh, goals to minutes. I think he's prolific, and uh, when he gets a chance, he's just so good. Agreed. Um, so the lead didn't last for very long. We had a chance to go two one up, Dave. Your boy Darwin um, probably could have done better with it with a chance that he got. Um, instead, a minute later, there's a there's a mess at the back. Charm- Chalmers goes walk about. Trent plays everybody on. Keller sort of dawdles four yards. What's his name? Chambers. Sorry, Chambers. Sorry, Chambers. That's my own notes there. Fucking me over. Sorry. Um, Chambers goes walkabout, Trent plays everybody onside, um, Kelleher kind of makes himself really small and stands about three yards from goal, and it's an easy yeah. finish for the lads, and a uh, nice moment for their fans, who, by all accounts, were really, really good tonight. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I thought he was miles offside, like, on first view, I was just waiting for the flag, and it didn't come, I'm like, okay, let's see the replay, and then you see Trent over on the far side playing him on, um, but... Kelleher, that's I don't know what he's doing to be honest. I don't know like why when because I was wanting to see like the replay to see what he actually did rather than when you're watching the forward and all you see is like Keller stood in the six yard box and then there was a replay which shows you he's sort of like 
moving forward, and then he retreats. He went backwards. He he, he pulled the old Dean Henderson trick, where he just mm-hmm. backed off onto mm-hmm. his line. I'm like, Allison, you know, you train with Allison every day, and that's the exact opposite of what Allison does in that situation. Allison would have just ran out to him, made himself big. Cause the striker to shit himself, and if the striker's gonna score, he's got to score basically in off the post. It's got to go like in mm-hmm. the corner. It doesn't even go in the corner. It goes in the middle of the goal. It's like it, yeah. it, it was harder to not score that because he's not narrowed the angle. He's like so deep and given up so much of the goal. It was just an easy finish, and I don't know why he he stayed so deep and he didn't come out. It was it was bizarre to me, um, and and a little bit concerning as well because. I think is, you know, wasn't so long ago. His reputation was really high. You know, we all thought, yeah, you know, th- this is like best backup in the league. He's like too good to be a backup. He should probably move on somewhere and play every week. And then the Southampton game at the end of last season was right. like mm. was, was a yeah. bit of a turning point where it was like, oh, hang on a minute, maybe like we've jumped the gun a little bit, and he's he's not quite as uh, as great as we thought. Um, and then that that is like that's a red flag tonight. The only thing I'll say is he's not played much. He's been injured. He's only just back. So you give him like benefit of the doubt there. And if he plays the next match, you'd expect him to be better. But yeah, that was like if it was a handling error or something, you can easily just dismiss that and go, you know, uh, these things happen. It's like you know maybe rustiness or whatever. But that was it was the decision making process like right. what made him go backwards that that was like a little bit worrying to me really i mean like the mistake he's made in the second half with his feet i can live with that all day that you know these things happen yeah. it's on his left we'll foot making yeah and, and it, it yeah. was on his weaker foot and the rest of his play with his feet was really good all night you know he was pinging in passes he was he was chipping it out to the uh, out wide and that so these things happen i would never hold that against them at all like judge him based on on that because you know it happens Allison does them all the time let's be honest about it right. but the goal was like oof I don't know about that yeah we'll yeah. see yeah sorry Chris I, I was saying this to Dave before uh, um, about uh, Keller or Allison. I mean it's it's the group stages so we, we should qualify I mean <laughs> we're in a poor position tonight but I think when it gets to last uh, 16 uh, quarterfinals, whatever, Allison definitely has to come back in. I mean, you know, uh, this is a discussion that Klopp, Allison, the coaches, whatever, uh, Keller will have. But if we want to go on to win the competition, then, uh, you know, uh, we'll be coming up against better teams who will be more clinical. Uh, Keller is fine for the group stages, but I think uh, we need to have a serious, uh, you know, discussion about uh, Allison coming back in because you know, as Dave said, rustiness is fine, um, kicking errors are fine, uh, but tonight, well, the first goal that was just uh, you know, bad goalkeeping, and uh, that doesn't happen with Allison playing so. Yeah. Uh, it's it's interesting now, isn't it? Because a few months ago we were in a position where we're, we're sort of saying we have to give Kelleher these games because we're in a yeah. position where we're trying to keep him happy, yeah. anticipating there's going to be a lot of interest. But it seemed that if that interest was going to come, it was going to be over the summer. With there were a lot of teams out there who needed a goalkeeping upgrade, and it yeah. I didn't hear of yeah I didn't hear yeah. of any bids no, for him or anything. Talk so about Brentford, but there's no bid. Mm-hmm. 
and yeah. they've got some bombing goal for them now. Like I watched them against Everton, and and, and like, um, th- I think he was dropped for the next game. And yeah, mm-hmm. well, they clearly need a goalkeeper. They loaned their goalkeeper to Arsenal. They needed a goalkeeper. Why did they not come in with a bid? So, yeah, maybe maybe we've overvalued them a bit. It's like it's backup quarterback syndrome, isn't it? Where like you always mm-hmm. think your backups really good, and then other teams don't really want want them. Until right. someone comes in and overpays, which is what we were thinking might happen, but yeah, yeah it didn't happen. I, I, we'll see anyway. I mean, Just one to keep an eye yeah, on. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the, the game's 1 1 for, say, like 15 minutes, and we get back in, in front on the half hour mark. Um, lazy defending from the corner. They didn't come out to meet the short corner at all. And then they're static in the six-yard box, and Endo makes a decent run across the front of the defender. Really good header from him. And mm. uh, nice for him to get his goal, Dave. Yeah, it was a lovely header. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I was saying then about Kelleher, and I wouldn't judge him based on the fact he's made, like, a, you know, a mistake with his feet or whatever. I also won't be judging Endo based on the fact he scored a, a really good header from a set-piece. So that can maybe make you think his performance is better than it was based on that. Mm-hmm. But if you take yeah. that goal out, I thought he played really well. And I'm not saying that because he scored. I, th- I looked and thought, okay you got to take into account the level of opposition, but he did everything that I would have wanted him to do. He didn't He didn't look like someone who shouldn't be trusted to be playing games, which it kind of feels a little bit like that. You know, he's not really getting opportunities. We're playing McAllister out of position rather than playing Endo, but I looked at that and thought, yeah, he's coming along nicely. I thought he did well tonight. So maybe it'll be like a few more weeks, maybe a couple more games like this under his belt maybe then they'll start to play him in, in league games and we can move McAllister further forward. But I thought Enzo was good tonight. What about you, John? Yeah. I, I sort yeah. of remarked on, uh, early yeah. in the game that I, I mean, I got it handed to me. I was complaining about him and I was complaining about Nunez missing another chance and then they both they both scored within five minutes of each other. So you can thank me for that. But yeah, what, what did you think of Endo tonight? Yeah, I, I mean, he's he's been fine uh, tonight. Uh, He's playing against uh, Toulouse, you know, who are tenth in the in the French league, um, and maybe you know, but I don't know why we've spent uh, eighteen, nineteen million on him this summer. Is it just kind of to appease, uh, you know, the fans, you know, in a transfer window which has gone not Klopp style, or is You could see maybe yeah, the club doing but, something like that. Yeah, they'd be like heavily aware of what fans are saying and like, oh, we've yeah. got to do something. Klopp doesn't give a shit. Klopp, Klopp's his own man, yeah. and that's yeah, but, a, a transfer that's totally driven by him. Yeah, but so th- th- that's my uh, question, uh, Dave. Why have we signed him? Because Klopp <laughs> wanted him. Uh, why? Why? I mean, yeah, I, okay, it's funny that like d- 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 to do what? I, well, that's the thing because <laughs> on that, the the video that they put out and it was like. You know, we were all buzzing off it, going, oh, you know, that's why Klopp's such a great man-manager. When, like, Endo's first day and Klopp goes up to him and he's like, we really need you, we need you. And it's like, yeah. need him to do what? <laughs> what was it that <laughs> you needed him to do? Because you're not, you're not giving him the chance to do whatever it is you needed him to do. Yeah, but, Unless, but, like, but, what you needed him to do was, yeah, I need someone to play in the Europa League games <laughs> so I can rest the good players. <laughs> but I mean, that's the thing, because... I mean, we said this before about Klopp, and he, he he has done it, and he's done it expertly in the past with new signings. Uh, Fabinho is the case in point, yeah. Where they come in, uh, you know, it's 
maybe uh, Andy was the same six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, ten games before they get, get into the team, and then they're fully in. But this isn't the case with uh, uh, Endo. I, I mean, he's never going to be uh, what Fabinho was to us, what uh, Robbo has been to us. He, he, he's at best going to be a bit part uh, player. Uh, you know, uh, he, he'll probably uh, come on to shore up games, uh, yeah. which Milner, by the way, could have done, uh, and it wouldn't have cost us. Well, we can uh, blame Henderson for yeah, that. Yeah, right. of course. Uh, but that's it, though, John, isn't it? It's, it's, yeah. it's stopgap. It's just a stopgap. Yeah, to, it is. To somebody, yeah. it's, it's, it's a number. It's it's somebody who has, has experienced, is reliable, who is well-regarded, yeah. you know, captain of his country. It's someone yeah. that we can potentially just rely on in a break glass and emergency situation. Do I think we should have paid 16 million quid for him? Well, I, you know, I say all the time that it really doesn't fucking concern me what we play for anybody. Of course, yeah. Really, like it's not my job. I just, I just want the best players out there for Liverpool, regardless of what they. Like, I don't care if we get bargains or we've overpaid for somebody yeah. if they're doing a job for the team. That's um, a pittance anyway. Yeah, yeah. That's, a I know. Market. that's nothing. You know, I, I don't think it's. I think that it could still turn out to be a shrewd signing for us, like depending on how injuries go. Depending yeah, on how so. he does embed uh, into the team, uh, I'm yeah. I'm glad he's here rather than not put it that way. Rather than not spending the 16 million, which we weren't going to do, and if he's a stopgap for that Andre lad who's supposedly coming in in January, yeah, and we yeah. move him on next summer, probably for a similar amount of money, no harm, no foul. But he's definitely yeah. an upgrade on that other fucking bum we signed last summer as the stopgap centre midfielder. What was his fucking Arthur Nunes or whatever? Okay, so no. What's his name? <laughs> Arthur. Arthur, Arthur Nunes. <laughs> that was the nickname for the other Nunes, Antonio yeah. Nunes. We called him Arthur. <laughs> no, Arthur. It was Arthur Mello. Arthur Mello. That's it. <laughs> fucking hell. So he's a massive upgrade on that. That's for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I okay. wouldn't be the massive upgrade on him. <laughs> well, <laughs> let me ask you this then. So, based on what we've seen of him, like the games that he's played, do you look at him and go and like, oh, he's shit. What have we bought him for? Or do you look at him and go, he's actually all right. I'm not really sure why. You know, he's not played in games where we've been a little bit short. I'm more in the second camp. I don't really understand. I've not seen anything to make me go, you know, maybe his first game or two when he was bedding in, but, like, since then, I think he's he's looked, he's done the job that you would want him to do, like, for, for that position. I like the fact that, like, he always wants to pass it forward. You know, he's not, like, he's not, he's not yeah. some fucking crab who's just, like, getting it and giving it to the defenders. He wants to play it forward. He gets himself about the pitch. He wants to make a tackle. I just think he's, he seems a little bit on the slow side. Not slow, but not quick. And he was just sort of a bit one-paced. But I've not seen anything to make me think, oh, you know, he's he's no good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, yeah, I, I'd be kind of in a, you know, third uh, category, uh, as in we probably had that player anyway and we didn't need to buy him. You know. With Milner? Yeah, Milner or, you know... We're, but we're he'd gone now, hadn't he? So they'd yeah. taken that decision before... Yeah, and then we when, needed to do so. Plus the fact, by the time when, we signed Endo, we thought we were going to get like some fucking shit out, like you know, tackling machine who gets around the pitch yeah. dead quick. Mm-hmm. We thought we were going to get that type of play, and then it didn't happen. I think we're pretty okay in midfield with uh, Curtis, uh, uh, Harvey, who's been really good this season. Uh, 
the two new Grab signers. Them there. We need yeah. to talk about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good again tonight. Yeah, really. I know. I, I, you know, I get what you're saying about sixteen or eighteen million being a pittance, but it just seems to me like a lot of money for somebody who's going to play Europa League games, and like he'll only play in the Europa League in uh, the qualifiers when you know it gets real in the knockout stages. He won't be anywhere near the team and. He's, you know, he's barely figured in the league uh, this season. So in terms so of far, wages, we don't know yeah, that that's well, going to stay. Yeah, like we'll that. see how it goes. Yeah. Also on that though, <clears throat> it's I don't think we can like play that down too much. Like someone who's going to play in these games because if he's not there and he's not playing in these games, it means we've either got to put in like a kid who's not ready or. We've got to play someone who we don't really want to be playing because we right. we don't want to overplay yeah. them. So it's re- you've got to have players like that who you can bring in f- to play in these games. Now, it's similar to what you were saying about Jota. Obviously, Jota's like a, a, a much higher end player yeah. than, than Endo is, but it's a similar thing where if if Jota's not there playing in these games, maybe you've got to start Mo a little bit more than you want to, or you've got to play Diaz a bit too much. So you know, you'd having players who mainly will play in the cup games and come on as a sub in the league games or you know come in when there's injuries yeah you've got mm-hmm. to have that it's important so and i think because we didn't really have anybody else if this is all he is he's someone who's come in and he's going to play all the cup games when we need to rest people and you know we can come in and hold down the fort if that's what it is fine and especially if that's what it is until like andre comes in in january hopefully you know it's giant yeah it does look like th- there's there's something yeah. in that, like it definitely looks like there's there's something going on. So, uh, yeah, if he comes in, you know, brilliant. But um, I I don't see anything wrong with Endo. I think he's he's been fine. Yeah, fair enough. Especially okay. compared to like um, what we were getting from Henderson and Fabinho for much of last year. Like yeah. he's certainly not done any worse than they it's have. No worse, definitely no yeah, worse. Yeah, true. Um, so uh, moving, I mean, we spent a good bit of time on him. Let's talk a little bit about Gravenberg and Dave because. Yeah. I think he's been, he's done at least something to to make you sort of sit up and take notice in every game he's played so far. Yeah, tonight was his best game, but it's I said like on the last part about like you know he's just this like high quality piece of clay that just needs molding mm-hmm. into something, mm-hmm. and you can see it. I mean like just like the raw talent there, just he does stuff that like you can't really teach it's like when the ball's played to him he's always sort of on the turn and using his body to shield it and he's away straight away you know he's just he just gets it and he's turned and he's running at teams and and he was doing it all the time tonight especially in the first half thought he was a little bit quieter after after the break but um mainly just the way the game went not specifically due to anything that he was doing but he's just he's exciting but like and i, I said the other week as well we're only just scratching the surface with him you know, he's still got like so much more developing to do because last year he's basically okay, he's training with really good players, but he's not played much. So that's like a year of his development that's kind of been stunted a little bit. Whereas you compare that with like Sobersly, who's like the main man in his team and he's playing every week and you know, so he's got that development, so he's just more advanced. But you know, I'm looking at Gravenberg tonight, I'm like, you know what, the, the the sky's the limit for him. He could be like really special. But I don't think that's going to just happen overnight. I just think it'll be like, 
he's going to be good and then he's going to be very good and then he's just you know over a period of time and then you, you'll just you'll wake up one day and go fucking hell he's world class yeah. He, he will. I think he'll get there because, and he he looks like he's got like a really good attitude as well. You know, when you watch interviews with him and stuff, seems like a, a really good lad. Um, happy to be here, and you know, typical like laid back Dutchman and that. But I just, I I'm just really impressed with him. Everything about him, interviews, performances, just a lot. Even you just watching him on the training videos, just like they all just seem like that. It, it's weird because like players come in. And immediately you're looking at these videos and going, oh, you'd expect him to just be with Gakpo and Verge all the time. But you'll see him with, like, Trent quite a bit. And, like, you know, Sobers lies always with Trent and Curtis. And you just see, like, the way they've just immediately just come in and just gelled with everyone. There's no, like, little mm-hmm. clicks there. I mean, obviously you've got, like, the South Americans and the Dutch lads. They'll spend more time with, with the mates than they will with everyone else. But there's no clicks. They're all You always see, like, different players, like in different groups and stuff and you can just see like their team spirit and everything just looks like it was before you know last year and that, last year wasn't about team spirit or clicks and we, we, we just we, the team had just ran its course hadn't it you know we, we just got a little bit too old <clears throat> lost the eye of the tiger and now it's back and everything now looks like it did a few years ago, except it's with different players. And the great thing is, it's like you look, he's what, Gravenberch is 21, maybe he's just 22. Um, Sobersley was 23 this week, McAllister's 24. I mean, he looks like 44, mm-hmm. but he's only 24. <laughs> so, but this, you know, Harvey. and then, yeah, Curtis, yeah. 22, Harvey, 20, Darwin, Bajetic, 18. So, I'm just talking yeah. about midfield at the Trent. moment, but yeah, if you want to go to the front, front three, um, yeah. like, You've got like Diaz twenty six, I think. Then you've got like Darwin twenty four, Gakpo's what twenty four as well. So we've just built a new team. You know, the the next step is the centre backs. Uh, we've got Canate. Obviously, you're still young, but um, that would be like the next stage in like building the team is like get one more young centre back in, and then you look at that and go, yeah, the the team's kind of all set for like the next three four five years we shouldn't have to make too many changes so the way we've done it like in basically in one summer just rebuilt the midfield and we still think we've got that andre to come in who's only young as well so yeah it's it's really really exciting nice do you think uh john gravenberg stays in the team uh the weekend yeah i i mean chris just to go back to what dave said you mentioned this uh before in the pod, uh, you know, Club 2.0, uh, you know, this new team and Gravenberg. Uh, I think Brownie mentioned as well when, you know, this whole transfer uh, saga was going on somewhere with, uh, uh, you know, uh, Castedo and Lavia who, who didn't come. And Brownie was always on about um, Gravenberg being really good. And uh, one thing that you can say about Club. Um, and the players he's brought in over the years, he's really coached them to be. Uh, I mean, they were good when they came in, and he's coached them to be really better players. Uh, thinking of Sadio, Bobby, uh, Mo, uh, even yeah, Henderson, even who was obviously here before Clark uh, uh, was, um, and he's just such a good coach. And I think that's what he's going to do. With he, you can see it already with Nunes. I mean, he's been here uh, a year and a bit now. Uh, you can just see the kind of effects of Klopp and his coaching team. 
and uh, Gavin Burke is, is the same and I think he's going to be uh, really, really good. Uh, Chris, your question on uh, Sunday um, against Forrest, does he start? Um, obviously, the two lads come back in, don't they? Dominic and um, uh, uh, Maka. Yeah, which is ridiculous because that Spurs game seems like it was... Uh, that, uh, a year ago, but yeah, I definitely go with uh, Gravenberg on a on a Sunday against Forest in uh, midfield three with uh, probably uh, obviously Mo to come back in, uh, Diaz on the left, and uh, Nunes, uh, you know, going and you know an assist tonight, uh, and <laughs> to to come back in up front, uh, and that top six, you know, if you have Diaz, uh, Darwin, Mo. Uh, Maka, Dominic and uh, Gravenberg I think that's a really powerful uh, front six uh, uh, to go into Sunday against Forest. Yeah, so okay. I, I don't see Good why yeah, he, I agree. he doesn't start at the weekend Right, well, we'll get on to Forest shortly, we've got a, another yeah. goal to talk about um, at Dave another for Mo, his customary Anfield goal his customary come off the bench when the tie's over in a European game and make sure he gets his goal and there's a pretty significant one tonight. I mean, it seems every time he scores these days, he's breaking some kind of record. And tonight was his 42nd goal in European competition for... Uh, sorry, 43rd goal in European competition for Liverpool. And he broke Thierry Henry's record for an English club, which was 42. So when you're breaking records set by the likes of him, then, you know, you know yeah. it's, it's nothing to be sniffed at. It does feel like every week he's breaking another record. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Dave, can, can I just come in on that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, they said on French telly tonight uh, that that was his 150th game at Anfield uh, tonight, uh, all competitions, and he scored 106 goals. Yeah, I mean, it's in a hundred, uh, that, that's not even including you know uh, assists and whatever else he's done. So yeah, he he's unreal. <laughs> yeah, and it. You know that's with his right foot tonight as well, but like, it just like the little feint to it, it with his left that bought him the space, and then, yeah, he's finished, and you know it's fine margins like that. It's the underside of the bar and goes in. Darwin's it's the inside of the post and comes out, and it's like yeah, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, it's a really good goal. Um, made up for him. He's because you know what I really liked about Mo tonight. Like that's a game where what was the score when he came on it was just like four one when he came four on wasn't one, it yeah. and, and yeah. it's a fucking Europa League game. A lot of superstars would just be like, "Can't be arsed at this," and it's not just that he wants to score. You know, it wasn't it, the way he played tonight was not someone who's coming on and the only thing he's thinking about is, oh, "I want to get myself a goal." He was chasing back. He was he was yeah. running about. He was like covering for other players just brilliant and then he gets his reward he gets his goal like right at the end but the effort that he was putting in you know you, you just think like some you, you just sort of think maybe like someone like that is going to be like oh what the fuck thursday night against fucking toulouse and you're bringing me on for like the last 15 minutes because a lot of the time like superstars like that would just get the night off like no nah, no we, we don't need you tonight you just put your feet up Mo doesn't want that. It's like if Mo gets given the night off, you kind of feel as though he'd be pissed off about it, and he'd be like, "Fucking hell, you know why am I sat here watching this on on like telly or in the stands when like I should be involved?" So I just think that said a lot about his, you know, his mentality, just the way he came on tonight and was just chasing everything. Thought it was brilliant. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. definitely. Good stuff. And when Mo came on, we saw Harvey drop back into the midfield. Um, Dave, and we, we talked before the game, you, John and I, when we were sort of discussing what we were going to talk about tonight. And it was interesting that Harvey was picked in that we're on the right side of the front three in most positions and I, I was interested to take a look at it. I don't think it worked out very well. He wasn't really in the game that much, but when he dropped back into midfield, his, his impact really grew again and, and he started looking like the player that we've seen so far this season, um, you know, in, in his bit part role coming off the bench. Yeah, I, I don't like him in the front three, to be honest. I don't think it suits him. Um, maybe like in a four-two-three-one on the right-hand side in a different team, he could do that. But the way we play, what we demand from players in that position is not things that he can do. And that's not criticising him at all. It's just it's about style. Um, yeah. He just looks much better as a midfield player. And even when he's playing on the right of the front three, he's still kind of getting the ball in the areas that he would he would be picking it up when he's playing in midfield. And it's like, but then you haven't got like the you know the attacking threat from that the right wing. So I think it's just a, a stopgap tonight. It was like, you know, we're not going to start Mo. Ben Doak's injured. So, yeah, we'll play Harvey there. But, no, Harvey's a midfield player. He's he's not a forward. He's a midfield player. And at this point, I think he's a better substitute than a starter. But that's not to say he can't play well if he starts games. I'm fine with him starting games. But I think when he's come off the bench this season, generally... He's not just been good when he's come on. He's been like a real difference maker. Yeah, brilliant against he, Everton. He was come on. really good uh, in the derby uh, against Newcastle yeah. as, uh, as well against Wolves as well, where he scored. I think Chelsea and, away as well. Uh, the yeah. game, mm-hmm. we, he steadied the ship when he came on. I thought and, like he just got on the ball. He makes a difference when he comes on in games. Look. I kind of, uh, you know, found out this tonight when I was doing a little bit of uh, research before the game. So we've played nine uh, league games this season. That'll never not be funny, by the way. <laughs> Someone doing research no, before they come on the pod. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've played nine games, uh, league games this season. Uh, how many uh, has he started, uh, Harvey? One, like, is it? Yeah, one. And he's... Uh, come on, like he's played in seven. So his influence uh, off the bench has been absolutely uh, unbelievable this season. Yeah, you know, three games: uh, Wolves, uh, uh, Newcastle, and uh, uh, obviously we said that before just uh, a second ago. Uh, come to mind, but. Um, it seems that he's been involved a lot more uh, than you know that one start would suggest. He, he's just so good. Uh, he seems to come on and just uh, uh, when we're kind of struggling, gets his foot on the ball and and you know gives us some uh, you know tempo. Yeah. And uh, the derby that that was the one wasn't you know where he made a real difference. He just uh, he transformed the game not on his own because Nunes. Uh, he came on as well, but he he's been really good this season. And I mean, uh, I don't know if he's ever going to be a regular starter uh, for us. But if if he's a regular a sub, and he comes on after an hour or fifty five minutes, that's fine by me because he can make as as big a difference as any of the starters uh, and contribute as much. 
to uh, our success as uh, you know um, Dominic or uh, Maka in the middle of the park. Uh, he yeah. he's just been really good this season, and he's so young as well. You know he's and he's he's been doing well with England as well, hasn't he? I, I, I'm yeah. obviously not following that. Yeah, the under twenty one said that I think he captained uh, England last week, and uh, he, he just he, yeah, and he scored yeah. Uh, so yeah, just really uh, happy to see him uh, uh, doing so well. And uh, I, I think he he scored last season against was it a nine nil against uh, uh, Bournemouth on uh, that was his first goal. Uh, mm-hmm. He had just lost his um, uh, granddad, I think, and uh, he scored against Wolves as well. Uh, you know, in the last minute, and you just can see how much. It means to him, if the celebrations get worse, uh, uh, he, he's just uh, all in. He's like us, but he's you know he's on the field, and uh, I think he could play a huge role this season. So uh, really happy to see him uh, uh, doing well at the moment. He, he seems a good lad, and uh, yeah, uh, really good uh, player as well. Mm-hmm. And the starting thing, John, as well, it's becoming a little bit sort of... Um passe isn't it really like yeah how much does it really matter if he's sort of a the first name on the team sheet if it's kind of a bit let's get with the five subs it's getting a bit like the nba where yeah. the people off the you rely yeah. the people off the bench they're, they're on the bench for a reason because they can make a yeah. huge impact from yeah, that position time. not because they're necessarily less than it's just that's their role and in the modern game where there's so many games come in left right and center um, that's just super important to have as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris, you know way more than me about NBA, and but is that a thing in baseball as well, where they bring in subs and like a uh, pinch hitter or a yeah. or a pitcher <laughs> off the off the, out of the bullpen? Um, yeah. you're you're still generally speaking not to get too deep into it. You'll still have your regular starters, but when your pitcher like gets tired, you'll bring in guys who are like specialists yeah. to close out the game. Um, Mil- you know, Milner was a great closer Milner for, us was, for yeah, years. Milner was a perfect example. Yep. Harvey can do it in a, in a different way. He can add tempo and energy and pace and skill yep. and the ability to just make something happen uh, when you need it. So I, I like that option, to be honest. And, he, and he's still he's so young. young, I don't think he needs to be really worrying about that yet. Has he even had his 20th birthday yet, Harvey? Yeah, he is 20. Yeah. He's 20, okay. Yeah. So, fair, so fair enough. All bodes well. Um, yep. And... Um, when he comes in, he sure as hell doesn't let us down and uh, happy to have yeah. him. So, um, yeah, Dave, moving on to the Forest game at the weekend. Another Sunday, 2pm kickoff. As I understand it, that's not going to be broadcast on television in the UK again. I thought it was on Sky. Is it on Sky? Okay, I, know, so, I thought someone said last week, because I asked on, on, the, on the pod last week and someone said Sky, I don't know whether it was Jules or not, okay. I don't know. All right. Well, whether you know whether it's on telly or not, I'll have a look at that while we're talking about it. But to me, um, it you look at this game and you think automatically you sort of think home win. But I do think it could kind of be tricky. I think if we're not at it, it could be a little bit similar to sort of last year's game where we just about edged out that three-two win against them. Um, they 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 they're in a lot of games for us, and they're dangerous, and they, they've got pace, and they've got. Um, you know, talent in attack as well. So yeah. I think we have to approach this in the right way. Um, start well 
uh, and if we get the opportunity, put the game to bed because they have a real habit of sort of coming back into games. So I was looking at their results before, and they've come from behind a bunch of times this season. They would have had that. They would have had a win at Old Trafford if it wasn't um, for that massive VAR screw job at the Rashford dive. They played yeah. really well at yeah. Arsenal. I thought they came back into that game really well as well, and they could have snatched an equaliser right at the very end in that game. So this is not a given. They're a good side. They play decent football. Uh, we're going to have to be at it to, to come away with three points on Sunday. I do think they're a really good counter-attacking side, so you've got to be wary about that. But the one thing about Forrest, every time I watch them, it's like it staggers me how bad they are defending set-pieces. It's like it went on all of last season, and they just didn't seem to get better. Remember, like they beat us at their place, and we should have had like fucking five in the first half just from corners. Remember, like Virgil should have had a hat-trick. Yeah, and I was thinking that before. The terrible and, set pieces and the goal he gave away last really week bad. against Luton. Yeah. Oh my god, the first goal they gave away last week against Luton was just horrendous. It was just from a set piece, and so I'm like, okay, so they've still not figured that out. That's that's like a good potential mm. um, outlet for us, like to you know, a couple of cheap goals from set pieces and that. But I just think we'll have too much for them. But if it was at their place, I'd be thinking this is a tricky game. With it being around field. You know our record around feels like sensational. We're playing well. We're scoring goals from everywhere. Forest can't defend set pieces. I think we'll just have too much for them. Uh, I do think they'll score though. I think they'll get one, but I think we'll score three or four. John, yeah. Uh, well, again, just checking. Uh, as Dave said, we are so good at home. Uh, the last time we, we got beaten in the league was uh, the 29th of October uh, of last year against Leeds. How did that happen, by the way? <laughs> I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking joke. Uh, since then, we've played 16 at home and we've won 13 and, and uh, draw, uh, drawn three. Uh, so, you know, uh, out of uh, a possible uh, 48 points, we've got uh, 42 uh, I think Paul said it on the pod on um, Saturday after the derby. Uh, it just uh, since Klopp came in and he's been here eight years, we've won, uh, you know, probably about seventy, well, seventy-five to eighty percent of our games at home. I think uh, we should uh, beat these on a on a Sunday easily. And if we do, uh, it sets us up nicely because, uh, uh, again, Chris, you mentioned this on previous uh, part after the game against uh, Saint-Gilois. Um, uh, up next is uh, Luton away and then Brentford at home. So hopefully you're looking at nine points out of nine in the next uh, 3D games. And then on the 25th of November, we go away to City. And if we win our next uh, three games, we'll be at least uh, level with City and possibly ahead. Uh, and, you know, uh, if then we, we go into that game level or ahead of them uh, we, and we win or draw, then you can start thinking about, you know, uh, a serious uh, title uh, challenge. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. So, um, yeah. Dave, I mean, just to confirm, it's not on Sky on Sunday. It's West Ham at Everton, and then the Manchester derby. Um, those are the two. Those are the two Sky games. So, See, that means um, my dad can't watch it. That's why it bothers me when it's not on Sky because my yeah, dad yeah. wouldn't have a clue how to find the stream. Yeah. Uh, so if it's not on the telly, he doesn't get to watch it. I talk about this all the time. That it's just it's so ridiculous that 
me living 4,000 miles away in the United States has an easier time watching some Liverpool games than you guys do. It's just yeah. really, yeah. really preposterous. But um, I'm just here in so, France, uh, Chris. It, it's, yeah, on telly, it's on telly here on Sunday. Uh, you know, all 380 you, games for, for me it is is that yeah, the same for you same, you can watch yeah, all of them yeah same yeah and all it does game. is just push people towards piracy you know like yeah. I don't understand it because there's there's no real rhyme or reason to it you can understand with the Saturday 3pm kickoffs but there's no yeah, lower league games smart. being played on a on a Sunday afternoon at 2pm just put them on the fucking telly or make yeah. them available as some as part exactly. of some Premier League streaming service or not. Well, it's just why, such a joke that you... Amazon Prime or something pick up the games like that not on the Saturday 3 o'clock slot? So any games that are on Sunday that's not on, why would Amazon Prime not, not be able to get the rights to them? I mean, you know, I guess it comes down to the fact that they haven't been offered as part of any of the TV packages yeah. or anything. And I guess, it's I don't stupid. know, I mean... It is. It is really stupid, and it, in yeah. this in this era where we have streaming yeah. technology as good as as good as we yeah. can, there's really no fucking excuse for it. Yeah. Especially when you consider how much fans in the UK are shelling out to be able to watch the games that yeah. are on television. Exactly. Yeah. The Sky, the TNT Sports, the Amazon Prime. You need all three to be able to watch yeah. every game that's televised. But then you're still in a situation when it comes to your team playing a game in the Premier League on a Sunday afternoon, and you can't watch. Watch it on the television. Yeah. Yeah. You're having a Ridiculous. fucking laugh. It's a, it's yeah. an absolute joke. It's so your dad joke. pays for uh, all three uh, of them. Yeah, and he would pay uh, for whatever else, uh, but he can't. Yeah. He's just not got the option. Yeah. And boys, just a quick one here on TV, uh, Amazon, uh, Sky, whatever. Uh, we've uh, got the latest um, round of fixtures, you know, for for TV stuff. Uh, and the Palace game, which was due to be played on, uh, the I think it's the 9th of December at 3 o'clock, has been moved to the lunchtime kickoff again for Liverpool. <laughs> and we're playing, uh, so we, we were due to be playing on uh, the Tuesday, the 5th of uh, December against Sheffield United away. That's been moved to the Wednesday, the 6th for TV. And we're so there are eight games which will remain on the Tuesday the fifth. We've been moved to the sixth, and yet we're the only club which has been moved to the lunchtime kickoff on uh, the following Saturday. Uh, so, so Wednesday night, can imagine for, morning. So we yeah, were supposed to be Tuesday and then Saturday three pm, and now they've gone yeah, Wednesday Saturday. Wednesday 12, and yeah, and. I mean, obviously, I, I, I'm not going to the game. I don't travel anymore to, to matches or very little because I, I'm in France. Uh, but can you imagine for, uh, you know, Reds going to the game on that Saturday at lunchtime, Palace, uh, you know, uh, uh, South uh, West London. And again, on the 23rd of uh, December, which is... Is the eve of Christmas Eve, we're away to Arsenal at uh, half five uh, for TV. God. So we came from uh, London on uh, 23rd of September, which is uh, of December, which is a Saturday uh, after a half five kickoff. So, you know, it's taking the piss. TV, They're making uh, Chelsea issue, travel to know. Wolves on Christmas yeah, Eve as well. Like Chelsea's fans are trying really? to like okay. get yeah, that game yeah. 
they're, they're trying to say no, we're <laughs> okay, not having I did, it. I, I the, didn't see that. The yeah. protesting against it, but Chelsea's games we moved away at Wolves on Christmas Eve. Yeah. Just fill yeah, in. So, I mean, me. it's, it's just. It, yeah, it, it's not us. I, I mean, the, the whole VAR issue with Spurs, as Chris said, you know, there's there need needs to be an independent regulator, whatever. It's not just Liverpool uh, fighting for Liverpool. It's just football fans getting screwed left, right and centre. And it's not normal that Chris in Florida or me in France that we can watch games uh, on Saturday or Sunday afternoon and uh, fans in, in Liverpool or Ireland or wherever, London, uh, can't see their team play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really unfair that... Um... Like Chelsea fans in particular having to travel to Wolves on like Christmas Eve Eve. I mean, that's a special time of the year for Chelsea fans. They need to be like, <laughs> you know, out on the streets of London getting drunk and racially abusing tourists and that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's like cutting into valuable family time for for Chelsea people. But anyway, um, so um, uh, one more thing. I see Greater Manchester Police have got no problem with playing the Manchester derby at 4.30 in the afternoon or whenever it kicks oh, off. It's just, yeah. I hadn't even you know. thought of that, but yeah, that's a really, yeah. really good point. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, back to the game against... <laughs> back to the game against Forrest. Um, in terms of the team, Dave, I think Jota has made a case to start on Sunday ahead of Diaz because Jota is in form, Diaz is not in form. Yeah. If we're going, if we're picking the team on merit, then Jota's in the team as far as I'm concerned. I can't argue with that at all. I don't think that's mm. what will happen, but I can't argue with it. I, I think Joss is in better form than Diaz, uh, but he played 90 minutes tonight. Diaz has rested up, so I think Diaz will be starting, but I don't disagree with what you've said at all. I do think like Diaz's form's not been... He's not been bad, but he's not been what you're expecting from him. He's just been like off it a little bit. Um, he's still making contributions. I mean, even last week... Didn't think he played particularly well. He was better when he got moved to left back, and he, he had more. He was attacking from a little bit deeper, and he wasn't getting marked as easily. It, you know, he's won us the penalty in the first half. He, he got Ashley Young sent off, so he's making contributions, but he's not quite just firing on all cylinders. So yeah, um, Jota's probably got a strong case to start, but I don't think he will. I think Diaz will start, and then I think Jota will come off the bench and replace him. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing anyway, because yeah. we've said I mean, about like how what an impact yeah. he can have off the bench. But no, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, the, the all the evidence you need that that's that's going to be the case is that Jota played as long as he did tonight, and we didn't yeah. see Diaz at all. So, um, chance that we maybe see a, little, a few more minutes from from Cody on Sunday as well. Like he is, um, he's likely to be sort of eased back in, I think, after his injury, and uh, as long as Nunez is keep. Is still being as impactful he is in the centre. I think that's probably his place now, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but just going back to what you said then, didn't a few weeks ago didn't we have Diaz and, and Nunes played ninety minutes in in Europe, and we thought, oh, that's them not starting at the weekend, and they mm. did start. Yeah, that, that was against us, didn't he? Wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. They, they played the full game, and then they still got they still started on the on the Sunday. So yeah. it's you know that we I don't think we can rule Jota out based on the fact he played ninety tonight, just yeah, because maybe. that happened the other week. It common sense tells you, oh, he's played ninety, they'll probably leave him out. But um, the other week, Jota and Gakpo didn't get on. They were sat on the bench, and we thought they've been kept fresh for the weekend, but neither of them started. So yeah, who knows? Yeah. Fair enough. 
Uh, All right, guys. Can, yeah, yeah. Can I just say one one thing, boys. On of course, yeah. Get ahead. Yeah, the start uh, to the season. Uh, we're kind of uh, thirteen games in. Uh, all competitions, so nine in the league, uh, three in Europe, and uh, obviously beating uh, Leicester in the League Cup, which is always a, a good one to win, especially for Jota. Yeah. And uh, out of the 13 games we've played, uh, we've won 10, uh, drawn two, and lost just one. And that was against Spurs, and everybody knows you know, what happened there. And I just think in, in terms of with everything that kind of that happened last summer with Henderson even uh, Fabinho as well and kind of the upheaval uh, that we've been through uh, obviously then we've had difficulties with uh, you know uh, refereeing decisions Spurs as I've mentioned uh, Van Dijk's uh, sending off McAllister got sent off and it was overturned uh, Curtis as well a uh, few injuries the Brighton thing the, the with the non red yeah. card, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, Andy's got uh, uh, injured uh, um, in 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 the last week with uh, Scotland. Uh, I, I think just uh, to have played uh, thirteen games and have won ten, uh, drawn two, and lost one is a really uh, fantastic achievement by the players, uh, coach, and staff. And uh, everybody involved with the club, and it's probably more than any any of us could have kind of uh, wished for. Uh, you know, probably in um, mid July, end of July, before the season started, everything kind of seemed to be going wrong uh, with transfers. You know, players not coming in, players uh, moving on, and uh, it, it kind of augurs well for for the next uh, few weeks and uh, for the season ahead. So. Uh, yeah, fair play to to everybody involved uh, with the club yeah. players uh, and management. Yeah, well said, mate. Good stuff. Um, Dave, have you got anything to add before we call it a night? Uh, we're going to talk about the the points deduction thing for Everton and Man City. Like, what's going on with that? Oh gosh, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm softer on I'm softer on Everton than pretty much any other Red I know. Really, I don't really harbour any sort of ill will towards them at all. I've said that a bunch of times. Um, but to me, this feels a little bit witch hunty. I mean, I mean, like a twelve point deduction would almost certainly see them relegated. I think unless they're going to finish like mid table, which I don't think they will. I think they'd probably do what they normally do and finish three or four, five, six points above the drop zone. Yeah. Um, Have you seen those newly promoted teams though? <laughs> I don't think they're. St- I still don't think they're going to get twelve more points than them, like than someone like totally Burnley. Rule it out. But like but the, the, the the thing is, boys, it's always been kind of forty points to stay up. Yeah, it's not anymore. But it, mm. it's not, you know, it's probably... Uh, it's near 30 now. And with, 30. These, with these newly promoted teams, I don't reckon either of them are getting... Yeah. Any of them are getting 30. Well, 36 33. kept Everton up last year. <laughs> <laughs> 33 and a third. 36 kept them up. 33 and a third. <laughs> 39 kept them up the year before. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It'll be less I, than I think. this year. Yeah, probably, but I don't know. I don't, I think it all seems a bit, a bit witch hunty to me. If you look at the, the 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 treatment of them, and it feels like the Premier League are trying to enforce 
it in a way that's not going to upset the apple cart too much in that they're saying, well, look, we are doing something about this. But then you've got that massive elephant in the room that nobody's talking about anymore yeah. at all, really. Only in response yeah. to this is the fact that the six or seven times champions, whoever they are, have done it while there are 115 charges levied against them uh, compared to the one that's being levied at Everton. I think that the, the main difference is... City are denying everything and they're lawyered up and they're going to fight everything. They'll never admit to any wrongdoing, even though we all know exactly what's going on. Whereas Everton are not specifically denying like, like the, the wrongdoing. They're just saying mitigating circumstances and trying to blame it all on COVID. So I think that's the it's, it's an easier case to push yeah. for because you're not there's nowhere near as much of it. You're not taking on an entire fucking state with like unlimited funds to just tie you up in court for the next 50 years which is what City's end game will be that's not going to happen with Everton so it's a much more straightforward case so I think that's why like that gets brought forward and done first because it's just a much easier one to do so I understand why people are saying well why are they going for Everton and not doing anything about Man City but it's I think it's just because it's a lot more complicated going after City and I don't know whether they've got the stomach for it hopefully they yeah. have but we'll see um, in terms of it being like you're thinking it's harsh on Everton my dad said this last week and I said to him I, said, I, I do sort of see your point but if you were a Burnley fan or a Leeds fan what would you be saying you know, they got relegated because Everton didn't play by the rules that they mm. were playing by. Everyone else other than Man City is playing by like a certain set of rules. Everton broke those rules and stayed up. And Leeds went down and the season before Burnley went down <clears throat> as Everton stayed up at their expense. So I read something a couple of weeks ago that like this this company used the 7-7 Sport or whatever they're called, mm. who, who were buying Everton. Uh, I read something, don't know if it's true, that Burnley and Leeds have both contacted them and said, listen, you know, just so you know, if you're taking over Everton, if the Premier League find them guilty, we're going to be suing you. We're going to be suing Everton for like 100 million. So 100 million each. So if 200 million, um, they might have to pay out in damages if they get found guilty. Because look at how much money Leeds and Burnley lost through not being mm -hmm. in the Premier League that year. So if Everton get found guilty of like, you know, uh, rule breaches, which they should have, if they, you know, they should have been relegated in either or both of those seasons, if you like. The teams who went down instead, to me, that looks like an open and shut case, like you know, for like them suing for damages. So, yeah, I totally yeah, get why. Uh, yeah, I, 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 twelve is twelve yeah. points. Like, if this is the season when, when like you're gonna lose twelve points, you want it this season. This is what because <laughs> yeah, you've right. still got a like a shot at it because of how bad those three newly promoted teams are, plus Bournemouth, if they don't get their act together as well, by the way. Yeah. So Everton have at least got some fight in them. You know, they've had like a few results that I wouldn't have expected them to get. Um, yeah. So they'd still have a chance for 12 points. I don't think that's the biggest issue they'll have. The biggest issue is if they get found guilty, it's it's like the legal suits that, that might, might come at them. But um, I don't think it's unfair because they, they just... You know what? It's because... I think it's easy to say it's it's like it's a bit harsh because they didn't benefit from the cheating, but they still cheated. Yeah. They still broke right. all of these rules. The fact well, that I guess they, they did benefit, benefit from the cheating because they well, stayed up, right? Yeah, but they spent yeah, but a load of money on so, shite. So, so did they so really did benefit? 
So did City. But we, City be... benefited from the cheating. Did Everton Yeah, really that's benefit? what I'm saying. We'd be here with... Uh, Clark would be here with uh, three uh, yeah. uh, t- titles and probably two European Cups if City hadn't cheated. But that's the difference, John. That's why, like... So, so why no make an exit? No one exa- thinks it's harsh making... on, on what, Man City. What? If if Man City get done, no one's going to say, oh, that's harsh. But they will with Everton. People might feel sorry for Everton, but it's because they're, Everton's like the only club in the world who could spend like, you know, half a billion pounds, breaking rules, spending money that they're not allowed to spend and spend it on absolute shit and actually get worse than they were before they started <laughs> spending. They're the only team that could do that. So I mean I don't even think like the, the, the cheating that they did helped them stay up. I think no, it, like it hampered the them, but that's not the point. It's like you, you can't do it. Just because they got worse from the cheating because they bought a load of shite with it, that doesn't change the fact that they broke the rules that other teams are, are playing by and and it wasn't yeah, but, uh, one season, uh, uh, it was like it was over a period of time. Yeah, but so, so as Chris said, it's a witch hunt. Why uh target Everton and you know there's one charge against them and 115 against City because they're the way, target John that's what I mean that's it isn't it that's what it comes down to that's why they're doing it it. they want to appear like they're doing something about it but they're doing it in the easiest way possible in in what's going to be easiest for them and it's it's little Everton that are getting the brunt of it but back to your point about whether they stay up with a 12 point penalty I don't think it'll be it would be 12 that's what you know like when there's a court case and the prosecutor goes, six. we're demanding life in, be yeah. like life imprisonment yeah. for that person. Yeah. And then they get like, yeah, 10 years or something. Like that's the Premier League's position. It's 12 points. If they get a deduction, it'll end up being six or something like that. Yeah. Right. That's how these things work. Um, but yeah, if it Chris, was 12. By the way, if it's six, they're still uh, above Sheffield United. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I just don't, are. you know, they've, They've played nine games. They've got seven points. That's yeah. 0.77 recurring over 38 games. So extrapolate that over... Sorry, that's 0.77 recurring per game yeah. so far. Extrapolate that over 38 games. It gives them 29.5 points. Mm. So 12-point deduction there gives them like 17.5 points. So say let's just say round it up to 18 points. Man, those, those bottom three teams are going to have to be pretty shit to all get under 18 <laughs> points. I think Burnley might get more than that. But the yeah. other two... Yeah. I can't see it. Yeah. Sheffield well, United are, yeah, they're, they're so bad. But th- there's another way of looking at this, though. Yeah. You know, we're, we're saying they're going for the easy target and it's a witch hunt and all that. But th- there is another way of looking at it. Is like, this could be, it's like just the benchmark. It's like, okay, so they punish Everton for one offence, if that if it is one. I don't know. I know it was over more than one season, but... Mm. I think they managed to talk the way out of it initially, didn't they? And blamed it all on COVID, even though nobody else made those kinds of losses. But you know, that's let's not get too deep into that. Yeah. But if so, if they find them guilty, let's say for argument's sake, so one charge and the punishment ends up being say nine points. So then, a hundred and fifteen charges. Maybe they don't get found guilty <laughs> on all of them. But the setting, like the setting a benchmark, because it, then you can't then, if they get found guilty of like say a hundred, for example, you can't give them like twelve points or fifteen points. No. When Everton have been punished for like the the one charge, mm-hmm. so it kind of sets a bit of a precedent. So it might not necessarily be a bad thing if they do it this way. It's like okay, Everton, this is your punishment, 
and now we concentrate on on the charges against City. Now I don't think that'll happen because I just think City will be lawyered up. They'll find yeah. loopholes. They'll put pressure on the Premier League. They'll they'll put pressure on the government to tell the government Premier League to stop it. Yeah. All yeah. of this shit will happen. We know it will. This is how, how, how it'll it'll probably play out. But if the Premier League were to actually stick to the guns and do what they should be doing, and and you know, punish them for the the crimes, well, if Everton are getting punished for like, one crime. I, that even that even relegation yeah. just doesn't seem anywhere near enough. I think they should just be made to just fold the club. Just like that's it, you, you're gone. That, no more Man City. Just fuck off. No, that's it. Yeah. I'm not even that. joking. It based on what they've done, they should not be allowed to just carry on. They just shouldn't. Gosh. All right. Fair enough. Maybe well, maybe not. Maybe I mean, I'm also saying fold Everton something. as well. So yeah, you've. you've <laughs> You've been more gracious towards Everton than I thought you would when we when we brought this up. So it's uh, I, I applaud you for that. Anyway, that much. Uh, Chris, can, can I just say one more thing? Uh, I promise this is it. And uh, Dave and uh, probably uh, Brownie and uh, Jules will talk about this on uh, Sunday. But what the fuck is happening with Trent in the middle of the park? <laughs> All right, that's yeah. a fifteen-minute, twenty-minute 20 conversation. I know. I have no idea what's happening. Just get rid of the experiment. Uh, he, he, he. When we were at our best under Klopp, uh, he was right back, bombing forward, uh, and the other other side. Uh, there's no need to be messing around with him in this inverted, whatever role he's doing. Uh, get um, uh, Dan on. Uh, to talk tactics but I just don't get what he's bringing uh, to us as a team at the moment yeah without going into it too deeply I do wonder what are we getting (laughs) that we weren't getting before you know is it really I mean the record's great don't get me wrong since we've made that change the record's great but would the record not be great it'd be the same if he was playing right back yeah I feel I feel as like other factors that are why we're doing well I don't feel like we've suddenly got a great record because Trent's moved into that position but you know I I don't know it's it's a it's a chat for another day but I'm not I'm not totally enamoured with it to be honest and I do miss like marauding down the right Trent rather than standing in the centre back position with Joel out wide and yeah. he's like looking to play passes. It's like, oh, dude, is that really what we want him doing? Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to be a talking point for much of the season. Uh, maybe yeah. it hasn't been discussed enough because we've been winning games and doing well. Um, yeah. But obviously, that's not an open and shut thing by any means. Um, I'm sure the boys will have more to say about that on uh, Sunday after the game. Dave, I'm sure you'll be back as soon as you get. Uh, you'll be back on as soon as you get in from Anfield on Sunday. Yeah. Um, hopefully, have the pot up on Sunday night, so you've got it for your Monday morning commute, or if you're really keen, uh, a nice little listen before you go to bed on Sunday night. Uh, thanks for joining us. I know these Europa League games uh, aren't quite as exciting as as what we can deliver, <laughs> what we have been delivering in the past years with the, you know, with the Champions League and the exciting cup wins and stuff. But thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll catch you soon. The best word I can say, but uh, we'll describe this, was boom. <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this? It was really good.